So this may be the most important podcast you'll ever listen to. We're back to that line. It's been a while. Welcome back to EnviroPod. Um, we're getting, ramping up, rolling more of these out on a regular basis. Uh, so we're excited to get back on the train. And today we're going to have a guest that we had almost exactly a year ago. Um, I call her the conscience of our county, uh, Jen Cole from Clean Fairfax Council. And so welcome back to EnviroPod, uh, the podcast that discusses everything environment within the Fairfax County and how the dedicated people from our Department of Public Works and Environmental Services keep on doing what they do to help our residents and our environment. I'm Scott Coco. Jen. Hi, Scott. Jen, I have one word for you. Plastics. <sighs> Plastics. So you're not Zen, you're Jen. Uh, for all those you don't know, that's the fateful line from the 1967 movie, The Graduate. <laughs> and it certainly says a lot from that generation of what, what we dealt with, with, with plastics. So uh, as for our previous conversation, what we've been talking about, I wanted to have you back on. I know there has been news in the last six months or so with laws and um, stuff coming out about plastics. I thought we'd talk about that. And then certainly about COVID, I wanted to have you on to talk about the effects that COVID and the pandemic and quarantining or not quarantining has had on the environment. And I just thought we'd have a discussion about that. So welcome, Jen. It's great to have you back. It is great to be back, and, and I have got all kinds of information for you. Excellent. And, and I was not worried about that. <laughs> so uh, first of all, just as a reminder to folks that maybe haven't been listening to our podcast or they're not up on what's happening, tell us a little bit about Clean Fairfax Council and what you do. So Clean Fairfax Council was uh, created by the Board of Supervisors in 1979 as a task force on litter. And this is going to be important probably later when we wrap up the podcast, because I want to talk to you a little bit more about litter. And it, so in 1979, it was a litter task force made up of members of the Board of Supervisors and concerned citizens. And in 1985, it became its own nonprofit. And we've operated as a friend of the county, as, a, as a, an ally of the county, um, working on issues that are of interest to solid waste and folks that live here and businesses trying to keep the county clean, green, and sustainable. So we've been doing that now for over 40 years, mostly picking up litter. Um, and one of the things that we have found is um, picking it up isn't enough. And so now we're going to try something new. Okay. And, that and some, what, what's that? That something new is we're going to try changing some policies. Um, the last couple of years, we've been working pretty hard at encouraging some statewide policies. We got the bag bill passed, um, a five-cent user fee. Uh, it's, it's not a statewide thing unless the counties and the municipalities buy into it. And so we're working slowly on whether you know, Fairfax is going to buy into it. We've all, all indications is that they will at the right time. Um, and 
that sort of thing. Like we need, it's not enough to keep just going out there and picking up all the trash. We need to actually reduce the amount of trash that we're making. And that dovetails right into what I think you want to talk about. And that is what is going on with all of our trash during COVID? I, I, you know, I, it's a, it's a huge blanket that I threw out there, what we were going to cover. Um, but and I got answers for everything. Well, and that's great. And, and you know, one of the things I, I, I like to say is we want to have you on to talk about uh, in a couple ways. I know as individuals, sometimes we feel we read the news or read the stuff like that, uh, the social media, uh, we see stuff out there, and people feel a little bit helpless. Like, what is you know, me picking up a couple bottles or putting glass in the purple can club in the containers out there, what big difference is that going to make if it, 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 it's just a drop in the bucket, if you will. And, and um, so I wanted to have you on here to talk about just there's everyday things that we can do. Yes, certainly the the, the theme of reduce, reuse, recycle, and recycle being the third one down there. And uh, certainly want to talk about that. But also what you're talking about, and I went back and listened to the podcast that we did before. You have had a history of activism with trees and certainly with uh, the Clean Fairfax. So you're, you're mentioning doing stuff governmentally and community-wide. Um, that I think can probably bring people hope on what the bigger picture of things done. And, and I sent you an article both about, you know, there's kind of myths about how much recycling actually does. Um, but then there's also new laws coming out about plastics, which I wanted to discuss with you and to talk to you on kind of a greater level of what's happening in the uh, community, in the state, region, et cetera. So I think when we talked last time, we were really just getting a handle on the idea that all of our plastics in the United States had, there was no market for them. Right. And this was even pre-pandemic. Um, and that n nobody wanted our dirty plastics anymore. And that a lot of them were either being landfilled or they were being incinerated. And folks were finding out, um, I think I probably used Oregon as an example of being, they had, they had educated their constituency so well that people were recycling everything. But in doing that, they thought they could recycle everything. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't being careful about their purchases. We need to go back to being careful about our purchases. But the idea that we can continue to put the, the saving of the earth on the backs of regular people is we really need to move away from that because it's not going to be you and me and, and Irene and the guys in the control room who are going to be able to save the planet. It's Coca-Cola. It's corporations. It's um, the 3% of the wealth in the world that controls all of the pollution in the world. And that's where we need to start turning our, both our attention and our ire. Because no amount of, of me handing out reusable straws at a cleanup is going to make a difference. And there, and there are a lot of, there, it, it, I mean, it makes a difference in that people feel like they're making a difference and they feel good about it and they're, they're steps to 
writing their congressman mm -hmm. or congresswoman and, and going to board of supervisors meetings and saying, you know what, I'm, even though this is going to be a pain in the neck, I am willing to pay the five cents for a bag if I need it, but I will bring my own bag. Like, this is the kind of movement forward that we need. And so it's time to make those kinds of policies. Um, the, we've tried 50 plus years of picking up trash on the side of the road. Right, we've right. tried 50 plus years of, of um, PSAs of sad looking <laughs> Indians who are actually being played by Italian American <laughs> actors. We're um, good. We're good at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, of, of making people feel bad about littering when the truth is that that littering isn't the biggest problem that we have. Mm -hmm. It's this giant corporation of pollution. Right. And so, um, you know, my grandfather had this saying, and I've been using it a lot lately, and it's blame the right guy. And so when we are out working in the community and we're, you know, let's say we're in a, in a, a nice, a nicer community and they're complaining about trash on the side of the road and they want to blame kids walking by going to school or people who are waiting for the bus. When the truth is it's probably falling off of trucks on the way to say the landfill or, or, or their construction trucks that aren't covered properly. And right. yes, there's some stuff that people throw out their windows, but by and large, that's not where that kind of litter comes from. Hmm. And so we are always saying, blame the right guy. Let's, let's like figure out who the baddie is here right. and then let's go after them. And so I'm at the point now in both my personal and professional career that I'm going after some baddies. And well, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Well, and I, I, there's probably a lot of people, unless they're really environmental minded. They don't hear about this in school. They don't see it on the local news. Um, but really it's, it's what people are buying every single day. Um, and the manufacturers of that, and that, that, um, provide it. And it's the oil industry. Mm -hmm. It's all of that. That's, that's providing all of these plastics. Right so. now, oil is so cheap that it is so much cheaper to make new fresh plastic than to collect plastic bottles and make plastic out of it. Mm -hmm. And so no one is. And so until there is a policy change of some sort, law, policy, legislation, whatever you want to call it, like what is going on in California, like what is going on in Japan, what has been going on in the Scandinavian countries for years, so real quick, let me pause mm -hmm. you there. Okay. What are some of the specific measures that are going on out there that we can hopefully get in some of this area? Well, let me talk to you a little bit about sort of the, the first wave of the, okay. of the uh, plastic pollution stuff. Um, the Scandinavian countries have long said that um, they've had bottle bills or a version of them and said that plastic has to be made from a certain amount of recycled plastic. And they only have a certain number of plastic types that you're allowed to even manufacture. Mm. So if you were to look at all of the plastic in your recycling bin, it would have like 20 different numbers on the bottom of them. And you still wouldn't really be sure whether or not they're supposed to be in there. Right. So because we have so many different ones, everyone wants a different size, a different color. They want to be different, whatever. But, you know, in Norway, um, they, they say, okay, you can have three plastics. Hmm. That's it. Make it work. 
And so, and of those three, a percentage of it has to be made from recycled plastic. And when they meet those requirements, their tax liability goes down. Okay. And so they, they make it work for everybody. And so it makes sense for them to use recycled plastic because then they pay less taxes to the government. Um, so California is already doing something like that. I have some numbers here. Um, right now, California already has a 70% bottle recycling rate because they have a bottle bill. And in Virginia, we have a 20% bottle recycling wow. rate because we don't have a bottle bill. Wow. Um, we're going to change that. We're going to work on changing that. Whether we're successful or not, we're going to make a lot of noise about it. Um, California already mandates that 35% of glass bottles be made from recycled content. Hmm. We don't have that here. I mean, I think it's the purple can thing is so awesome because for a while there was glass was just being landfilled because it was heavy and there was a sense there was no market for it. It was just going to the landfill. At least now it's being used for something. Um, well, and they're finding new uses. And they're for finding it. new and uses so that, for I think it. That is one of the keys, also. But one of the greatest things about glass is that you can recycle it back into a glass bottle mm -hmm. without any degradation. Okay. And so the the I I personally don't love that we crunch it up and turn it into like roadbed. Um, I love the idea that we crunch it up and turn it back into beer bottles or wine bottles or whatever, you know, that it continues to be bottles and it just continues to be bottles that are used. That's just me, though. Self-sustaining, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. um, so on their plastic in California, their law that they just passed this year, um, by 2022, um, plastic bottles like sports drinks bottles, soda bottles, and water bottles have to use... 15% plastic, recycled plastic. By 2025, they have to use 25% plastic. And by 2030, they have to use 50% recycled plastic. Wow. Um, and so that's, that's not even like a really harsh way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the, in, the, the technology is out there. You just have to make people do it. And you can't rely on industry to do the right thing on their own. Not everyone is Patagonia, right, or um, Salesforce or one of the bigger, you know, companies that actually has, like, a conscience. Um, and so you have to legislate it. That's the problem with capitalism. Because um, if you just let it just go unfettered, you know, we end up with, you know, polluted everything. Yeah. Um, so the bill was opposed, of course, by plastic everybody's. Uh, and it took a couple years for it to get through. But eventually they saw that the writing was on the wall and they negotiated this sort of stepped-up approach. Who's they? The plastic um, industry, Plastic industry and beverage bottle producers. Okay. Um, and they, they actually, um, it looks like from what my notes say, they made a deal where they would let this plastic bottle bill go through and have it stepped up. But right now, they continue to be fighting a plastic packaging and plastic utensils bill. Hmm. Um, but I don't know how successful they're going to be. People don't want all that plastic. Like, they're seeing stories 
legitimate news stories that there's more plastic in fish than there are fish in fish. Right. And that's a problem for people who eat fish. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not just like a straw up a turtle's nose picture at this point. It's like people are realizing that they're eating more plastic than they're eating fish. Um, And when that starts to affect them, they'll start to make noise. And I, you know, I know there are talks um, even within the county and about uh, changes that the county's doing on um, yard cleanup and yard pickup and the plastics, the microplastics that, mm-hmm. are, that are being uh, sent into the environment through all the bags in, um, in yard waste. And so that's something that hopefully will continue to change also. But all of that plastic is going into the bay, the ocean, and the Pacific, and in the fish. So that's... It's, you know, it, plastic isn't inherently evil. Plastic has been a lifesaver for a, a billion different things. You know, I have asthma, and my asthma inhaler is plastic. Um, you know, there's so much of our cars are made from plastic now. Like, there's, it's not a bad, plastic is not a bad thing. We just need to cradle to grave it. Like, we need to, we need to know that when we produce something, we have a plan for its end of life. Just like people, <laughs> um, you know, or your pet. Um, and I think that companies that are doing this sort of end of life, I think there are some, you know, some, um, companies that sell electronics will take it back and then take the entire thing apart and recycle as many pieces as they can, because it makes sense. Some of those, those little things, those widgets and the welds and things are precious metal. Sure. And, Uh, and, um, the, the silver and the copper mm -hmm. and the. Um, lithium, all of that stuff can be reused. So So having incentives for companies to do that, if it means it lowers their tax liability, Mm -hmm. if it means that they get some sort of green standard, sort of like, um, uh, not like like LEED certified, but some sort of certification that says, you know what, this is a company that does this thing on their own. Well, and consumers, when they see that, yes. they will go and search out the greenest companies that right. they can they to re- shop they at. They really so. do. I mean, the, the, the research doesn't lie that most people want to do the right thing, especially if they can afford it. And now, granted, that is a very privileged position to be in, to be able to say, well, I'm only going to buy stuff that is really good for the environment. Um, not everyone has that ability, but when you do, you should, you know, lead by uh, my, my big thing is besides blame the right guy is lead by example, which is something my father taught me. And so where I can lead by example, I do. In fact, the shoes that I'm wearing today are made from recycled water bottles and their soles are made from rubber that will biodegrade naturally if left in a landfill. Wow. What's the name of that brand? Oh, Rothy's. Huh. And they're sneakers, okay. so they look like little, you know, Converse sneakers, but they have—they're really wonderful. That's awesome. I'm okay. a big fan. I did not know that. That's... Yeah, and there's a ton of shoe entities out there that do that. In fact, when we launch our podcast, we're going to have something called the New Shoe Review, where we talk about all of the kinds of fashion that's out there that's sustainable. But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> so now Japan is also doing this kind of. Um, looking at all of the plastic that they produce. So right now, um, 
the beginning in April 2022, all plastic material in offices and factories must be recycled. Now, think about all of the things wow. that are made in Japan. Wow. And that everything that is plastic in the, it has to be recycled. Um, in 2018, gen Japan generated 8.91 million tons of plastic waste. And 4.62 million came from the corporate sector, with a majority of it being incinerated. Hmm. Which, you know, there's a lot of great things that have been happening in incineration, but it still does create pollution and toxics. And so you have to be really careful about what you're putting in the air, not to mention the fact that most of those incinerators end up being put in really um, in, in fragile neighborhoods, shall we say, right. um, and which is an environmental justice issue, just right. like it is here, it is in Japan, it is all across the country. Hmm. So um, while the bill hasn't been signed into law yet, it is expected to pass in the next parliamentary session, and their goal is to work on recycling 4.29 million tons of plastic waste a year. Um, and, you know, why this is so important, again, is because California and Japan are seeing, like, the overwhelming amount of plastic trash that's floating in their waterways. Um, and that because oil is so cheap right now, and it's going to be cheap for a while, that it, there's no incentive mm -hmm. to use recycled plastic, and so you have to legislate it. Right. Um, and one of the things that we have found to sort of tie this whole thing into sort of a more local look at and, and tie it into to COVID is that a lot of people have it in their heads, what we have found and when we're talking to people, that single-use disposable plastic equals sterile. And right. it does not. Right. You know, even they said people that buying coffee, that used the, the, there's coffee places that won't let them use reusable cups anymore. Um, you're right. This sterility, I, I, that's one thing I have noticed a lot. So unless you're getting your coffee in an operating room <laughs> at, you know, Inova Fairfax Hospital, you know, the cup that you're getting isn't any cleaner than the cup you have in your hand. Now, I understand that why they the barista at your coffee place doesn't want to handle your cup during a pandemic. Like, I totally get that. However, there are some really creative workarounds. And one of them is, if you've ever worked in a restaurant or a bar, is they have these tiny little um, sinks that you just put the glass on and, and you push down and hot water oh. rinses it instantly. Right. right? And they, they're cheap. Like, it's probably cheaper than buying all of the plastic or polystyrene cups that they've had to buy in the last seven months. Like, mm -hmm. they could have bought 20 of them for coffee place down the street. And you just, you know, you just take your cup and you just push it over and it just rinses the whole thing out with hot water and it's clean. Um, but see, nobody called and said, hey, Jen, what should we do about all this plastic? <laughs> but maybe for the next pandemic, they'll call me. So... Um, and and it, the same is true when there's so many people doing takeout. Mm -hmm. and um, But people aren't eating, like, in their cars, right? They're doing takeout and they're taking it home. So why are we getting all of these plastic packages full of forks and knives and spoons? 
it's just it's not not only is it costing restaurants who do not have that kind of money to burn right now, but it's just waste. It's just wasteful plastic stuff. Right. right. Because my forks and knives that come out of my dishwasher are cleaner than whatever it is that they're handing me that 150 people have handled before it got to me. Hmm. And the same with, um, you know, I tend to only shop at grocery stores now where I can use my own bags because I'm not a plastic bag person. But there was a while where they wouldn't, they didn't even want you to use your own bags. And I pack my own groceries, so it's not really an issue. But um, the idea that, um, that a box of plastic bags that came from, say, China is somehow less of a carrier of, of, of anything, of any kind of bacteria or germs, or, or even if it came from Kansas, right, or if it came from California, then the bag that came from my house that only I hold on to right. is, is kind of crackers. Hmm. Um, and so this whole, this whole plastic equals safe is such a, a, a goat rodeo because it doesn't make any sense that we would count on, on all of that plastic that's in boxes and, and came over on a barge and been handled by a million people. And so one of the first things I always say to people when we're doing a talk is unless you're getting your coffee or your, you know, your Chipotle at the emergency room, it's not sterile. Yeah, so, and, and unfortunately, I, I think it's 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 companies want, wanting to have the appearance, whatever that appearance of safety is, uh, is something that is going to help them keep customers coming in. I, and I and and so. I and I do get that, but I do think that I've I've gotten so many calls from friends and constituents going, "How do we get?" stores to stop putting all of this plastic stuff in our to-go order. I'm like, well, you know, you just need to keep reminding them. You need to do like a Yelp review saying, I love your lasagna, but I honestly don't need, like I'm eating here three days a week, so I don't need all of the this yeah, plastic or, or stuff. You might have to just tell who's ever packing it, do not put the recycles right. in there. I think that, that yeah. will help. So, and, and so we, we do need to be, those are the sorts of things we can be proactive about. Because the truth is that there, there isn't, well, except maybe um, some of the, the drive-through restaurants, I think, are making bank right now. Because I think everyone forgot how to make food during the pandemic <laughs> based on the lines in my neighborhood for right. some of these places. But um, I think that nobody is, is, is doing well. And I don't want them buying all of that stuff if they don't have to. Right. I don't want... I, I was at Trader Joe's the other day, and they, they have resorted to plastic bags because they've run out of paper bags because they wouldn't let you use your own bags for so long. Could, oh, okay. And I was now, just could like, you bring pla- paper bags in with you? Or, well, uh, now you, know? you can use okay. your own bags because they've realized what, a, what bad optics that is, right, I think. Right. And, and they're like, well, they're recycled. I'm like... <laughs> um, but you don't know how hard it was for me to like take plastic bags in my hand and walk out to my car and try not to be seen. <laughs> um, but, but she's like, you can bring your own bags in again. The plastic I'm like, oh, lobby goodness. got pictures of you doing I'm, that, I'm sure. sure. I, there's going to be a, a Lincoln project, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> commercial about it soon enough. But yeah, so, so you know, so what, what is happening? What, what is, um, legislatively, 
what are some of your efforts that are currently um, and are there other groups within Virginia trying it um, or in the county things that we're trying to do that we're looking forward into the future activism that's going on out there? So there's there's all kinds of things going on. I mean, one of the things that can be said about an administration that is not great on the on the environment is that it activates all of the nonprofits and all of the environmentalists, mm-hmm. um, which is terrific. Um, and there are we have we are part of like four different plastic pollution groups in Virginia alone. Um, plus, there's lots of activism in Fairfax County. Um, I just saw an article about the um, the jet, um, which is the school thing that uh, about schools and um, I w- we were not invited to participate, so I'm just sort of hearing about it at the last minute, I guess. But uh, the joint environmental joint task environmental force. task force, right. um, and one of the things that they want is to be uh, zero waste by 2030. And I, I'm like reading this, and at the same time, I'm seeing that there's still all this pushback about plastic bags and leaf pickup. And I'm like, okay, well, good luck with that, because there's all there's this sort of cognitive dissonance until you get some folks on board about it being a, you know, we all are in this together, and we all need to say, okay, from now on, county policy is going to be when we do when we get back to normal, if we ever get back to normal and we have a retirement party for people, no more disposable plastics. Mm-hmm. Like invest in a little set of reusables right. and and or everybody brings their own plate. B-Y-O-U. <laughs> right. You know, bring your own utensils. And, um, you know, we've we've been working on trying to create these little parties in a box that folks can just borrow. Um, with like 40 plates and 40 oh, wow. bowls and things, and you just have to bring them back clean to me. And um, and it, it's so easy. Well, I, I will tell you, um, I, I believe, so a year ago with a lot of the new um, Board of Supervisor folks coming on, we got some younger uh, invigoration. I was at the last... Um, uh, environmental committee meeting and it was refreshing to hear um, some of the newer supervisors and and what they s- said about leading by example and realizing kind of longer term stuff as opposed to you know with with the leaf collection and stuff like that coming up and how much things cost and kind of finding other ways mm-hmm. and specifically used Sisyphus as a you know we got to stop pushing that boulder up the hill and come up with new ways of doing things which I I greatly appreciated it here well one of the nice things about um, you know when, when we do get some new folks on the Board of Supervisors well I mean, one of the bad things is we lose some institutional knowledge mm-hmm. um, but we also gain some energy and so that's what's sort of nice about having a, a, a big board of 10 people because there's always some of each. Um, but we've had some great conversations with some of the newer supervisors about some work that they would like for us to embark on. Um, and we're looking forward to working on that. Uh, one of the things that we have talked about is during the pandemic, when everyone was working at home, especially during the beginning, I think folks, even even my household, which is is pretty low has a pretty low plastic footprint. We were shocked at how much trash we generated when we weren't spreading it out over the office, the gym, the library, our cars, Mm -hmm. you know, um, 
going out to lunch, like when, when we were faced with all of our waste, even us, we don't have that much. It's just two of us and cats. Um, I can't even imagine what it looks like if you're like a family of six and everyone's at home and no one's going to, you know, practice with it. I mean, I was looking up and down my street and there's trash cans just overflowing with stuff every week, twice a week. Right. Um, and I think people started to realize that they were drowning, you know, in all of our trash. Uh, and, and it's a problem mm-hmm. and a lot of it is plastic Right. And so if we can get a handle on some of that plastic stuff by, you know, requiring it to be recycled and, you know, you know, doing better at um, making sure that the recycling that gets picked up by our hauler is is going somewhere where it's getting recycled um, is it's going to make a big difference. And then putting pressure on the big corporations uh, for making sure that we, you know, that, they, that they're doing their right, doing the right thing. You know, if it, if it means that like, I'm a huge fan of, of soda. Um, and so until it comes out of a tap, mm-hmm. I will still like I've been trying. I buy it now in aluminum cans because that's a much better use than in a plastic bottle. But, um, you know, and until it comes out of a tap, I will still buy soda. That's my my bad habit. Right. Um, and and we need them to to step up and if it means i have to pay 5 cents more because i know that they're going to either take my bottle back and they're going to turn it into something else or that they're using well, every year they're going to charge you 5 cents more anyway so i mean <laughs> right so i just we just need to figure out better ways to manage our waste because i don't think we've been doing a very good job at it and not for lack of trying right um but to continue to put the onus on even on municipalities to figure it all out mm-hmm. without putting some responsibility on the producers of all of the plastic waste um, of all of the, you know, you buy a, a, a thumb drive and it's like encased in plastic and it's in a it's in a boxy thing and you need like scissors to get it out and none of that plastic is recyclable and like how why does it have to be like that yeah theft that you know right trying to keep theft in stores but uh, yeah so the the everything you you, i you know christmas morning unwrapping all the kids stuff um although i have noticed over the years that you see much more cardboard instead of styrofoam Mm -hmm. and and cardboard ties instead of the plastic ones, and and uh, and I also I just stopped buying my kids gifts, but that's <laughs> another story. Um, but that stuff has been slowly getting a little bit better. Um, some of the packaging of, of, of toys and stuff. Yeah, like that. and I but, think people uh, are are starting to put their foot down. Uh, so are, are, are there some specific things that are being tried yes. in the state and in the county? Yes. So one of the things that we were not able to, to pass this past legislative session was a ban on expanded polystyrene, which is styrofoam, specific food styrofoam. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had all of the support for it all across the, the Commonwealth. And then we had one delegate who said, well, what if we got a, 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 
a polystyrene recycler in the county. And it put the kibosh on the whole thing. And what was really unfortunate is that there almost are no polystyrene, you know, like that extruded polystyrene that will recycle the food polystyrene. Like mm -hmm. what they're looking for is packing macaroni and they're looking for those like boxy things when you ship a computer. Um, they're not taking food polystyrene because it's contaminated. Tainted, right, right. And, and so, and that's all we were looking to ban. So he promised this delegate who will remain nameless that if he didn't have a recycler in Virginia by the next legislative session, he would bring up the legislation himself for us to pass. So that looks like it's going to happen because okay. there's Fingers no crossed. way, that's there's no great. way that that's, that's going to, so we'll get, so Maryland did it last year. Hopefully we'll do it this year. And that'll be hopefully a statewide ban, not a, you know, a Dylan rule goofiness mm -hmm. where everybody has to pick and choose. Right. Um, and then another piece of legislation that we didn't get passed uh, for sort of political reasons, but we're pretty sure it'll get passed, is um, the uh, intentional release of balloons hmm. uh, is a real problem. And uh, they end up in all kinds of places, um, not just a wildlife and a f a sea life issue, but also um, farm animals. Oh, wow. And so we're trying to make sure that, that you can't intentionally release, release any balloons. Interesting. I mean, ones that escape. Yeah. You're not going to go to jail, maybe. But definitely no intentional releases of 500 balloons to celebrate somebody's wedding. Like, no. Wow, that's great. I, you know, my, one of my favorite comedians ever, George Carlin, used oh, to George say Carlin. That, that there was a balloon room in heaven, that when you released a balloon, that it went up to heaven into the balloon room, next to the room with all the individual socks that, that were up there from the ones that were, <laughs> that were missing. Yes. So. I but, wish uh, that, that balloons that's went to heaven. That's an interesting bill. That's really interesting. And so, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are... a. a million different ways to honor people that don't include one using helium which is not a which is a finite resource that right. really hospitals need huh. um, as well as um, balloons being just a scourge on the environment in a bunch of different ways interesting and there are no biodegradable balloons um, the balloon lobby is not fighting this one. Oh yeah, well, they are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so is the party teasing, lobby and the wedding lobby and. A wedding. Oh my gosh. But you know, it, it's you can't don't be on that side of history. Yeah. Like that's just yeah, not. That's... It, there's no justification for that. Like there's so many better ways to celebrate someone's life than to kill an animal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just me. Um, so that's a big, that's a bit, those are two big things that we'll be working on that we know about for this legislative session. And as nonprofits, you know, we're not allowed to lobby, right. um, but what we can do is we can bring our advocacy voice to positions. So we would never be able to, to 
you know, um, spend a lot of our time going to each member of the legislative bodies and ask them to support it. But we, you know, we'll put out an action alert on our website and say, please call your congressperson or call your state senator and let them know that if, if this is something you support, let them know because they need to hear from it because they certainly hear from plenty of lobbyists sure. who are paid to do that. So, you know, we operate as best we can given the parameters of being a 501c3 nonprofit. And I think we do a pretty good job. We got the, um, the litter tax, which funds organizations like Clean Fairfax, uh, doubled uh, this year, which Very means nice. it went from $10 to $20 a year. Uh, so, um, which doesn't even begin to uh, meet uh, inflation since it's been almost uh, 47 years since it was uh, enacted and no one ever touched it, but it's a start. Um, and then we're also going to be working on some, um, so making some noise about food composting. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have some great information about Vermont uh, food composting, that they just put some food composting laws into place in uh, Vermont. More than 30% of Vermont household waste is food waste, right. and it goes to a landfill. And almost half of restaurant and institutional waste is food waste that goes to a landfill. Mm-hmm. And guess what? None of that's going there now. It right. all has to wow. go to composting. You can either compost at home. And I think most people don't know what the heck that is. Exactly. So we'll have to do a whole nother show just talking well, about Well, and the county is doing a pilot project. Okay. Um, and we're not fully involved in that, although we are very supportive of it. Um, and so I think they'll be rolling that out for America Recycles Day. So hopefully oh, there'll be some information about that. But there'll be a collection spot at the I-66 transfer station and a collection spot down at um, I-95 at Lorton. Okay. We'll have you back for that. <laughs> well, there's probably that. somebody in Solid Waste who can speak okay. to well, that we'll, more. We'll definitely have talk. have a composting conversation. So let me steer you a little bit. Okay, um, do it. So those are some efforts that are going on legislatively. There's activism behind uh, a number of initiatives in the state and in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what are some things that you can talk about um, how... And you mentioned plastics, um, but environmentally, in the county, in the state, what is going on? Um, what have you noticed effects from COVID uh, on the environment? There's so much trash. From what we've been able to glean from, you know, just calling around and, and looking at um reports my colleague zach is he's like a a jack russell terrier he loves to dig (laughs) and so he has been digging and he found out that the drop-off rate and we were looking at across the commonwealth the drop-off rate for trash in virginia beach went up 50 percent uh, the curbside set out in drop off meaning meaning going to the either the transfer station or okay. the land or the landfill right. or like a tipping people that don't have their own garbage service or or needed in. extra. Okay. So one of the things that happened during COVID was that you know a lot of the haulers went down to skeleton crews because right. of a bunch of different reasons. And so they sent out a message to those of us who have private haulers and say, you know what, we really need you to just live within your trash can. Mm -hmm. 
Now, granted, it's a 90-gallon trash can that gets picked up twice a week. I can fit in it. That's how big it is. <laughs> um, we only put our trash out once a week because we just don't, even now, we just don't even make that much trash. But, um, but people were still putting bags and bags and bags of trash out. But the truck, at least for our hauler, the truck is, they're using the truck that has the arm that comes and picks mm -hmm. up the can and flips it over. So there's not two guys in the truck. Yeah. So if, if the person driving the truck has to hop out and then pick up bags and throw them in the truck, it s slows everything down. And that person is now exposed. Yeah. yeah um, we had big conversations with, uh, with uh, DPWES yeah. about that. So. I mean, it's a, it's a problem, and, it, and folks need to be aware that just it's a, it's a whole thing. There's no such thing as a way. Just because you threw it away mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's not somebody else's problem now. So be conscientious. Um, and so these are people who are taking their extra to the drop-off centers or the landfills or whatever. Okay. Um, and I think we, the, our hauler said that there was a 30% increase in curbside set out. That's a huge amount. Right, with less people to help yes. get it off. And, um, and, you know, plus people were at home and they had cabin fever and they decided they were going to just clean out their houses, mm -hmm. but all of the like Goodwill and Salvation Army and thrift shops were closed, and so they didn't know what to do with all of their stuff, and so they just abandoned it on the sidewalk for haulers to pick up. Yeah. Like, it was, it was shameful, really. Um, and it, it really, so it, for us, it really hammered home how little people know about where their trash goes. Mm -hmm. Like they still really think that out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Um, some communities, and I would love to have this conversation in Fairfax County, I don't think that we would ever be able to get it passed, but I would love to at least broach it. And that is pay as you throw. And you basically pay based on how much trash you throw away. Um, and I think that when you have that conversation and people start to sort of measure their trash put out, they might be better about it. Hmm. Um, I know that I have a neighbor, I live in Prince William, I have a neighbor who has never put out a recycling bin. And I have a really hard time believing that he has no newspaper, which gets delivered every single morning, and he has no plastic or glass bottles. Right. Um, and he has the same trash pickup as I do, so I know that he has recycling mm. capabilities. Yeah. It doesn't cost any more right. to have your recycling picked up. So um, he just puts it all in the garbage. And, uh, you know, I talk to him about it. He's whatever. <laughs> Some people you can only have that conversation once, and then you just yeah. give it up. But I think when people realize just what it is that they're doing and how it will cost them, they change their behavior. And so we can, we can use that model where, where we're looking at a big corporation that is a bajillion dollar corporation and we really want them to start using recycled plastics. And if they do, then they get a break on their taxes or they get this or that. And we, do this, we can do the same thing with people. Um, if you are putting 500 pounds of trash out on your street every day, you should be paying for that. Yeah. Interesting. Because right now, I pay the same with my half of a trash can as my neighbors who put two trash cans out a week and sneak 
bags out periodically. Yeah. So increased trash, increased litter, possibly uh, any other things that are out there noticed? I would say that in some places there's decreased litter because there's, but although we're seeing more, we're seeing more now because people are getting out more now. Mm -hmm. Certainly we're seeing a lot more PPE trash. Right. I mean, one of my favorite. Gloves and masks in the streets. Yeah, air quotes favorite. Um, is I'm seeing a lot of disposable masks in the street. Mm -hmm. And I I always post on my work Instagram that we're going to get a little at-home DNA kit. And we're going to start testing whose masks these are. (laughs) Um, Because it's just, there's no need for that either. Right. Like if it's too grubby for your car, (laughs) that you would just throw it on the ground, why would you make someone pick it up? Right, right. I mean, that's just rude. (laughs) <laughs> it's so rude. Um, so we're seeing a lot more of that, but we're seeing a lot less of trash in places where we used to have to do like three or four cleanups a year mm-hmm. because there's not there's nothing happening there. Yeah. I think that that will change as people get COVID fatigue and start getting out more again before the weather gets bad. But we're we're not getting the number of like people calling and going, oh, there's a stream and it's a mess, and we're definitely seeing a lot less of that. Well, so that's good. Also, during the summer, you had a lot more people just out in nature, away from other people, and and hopefully not putting trash out there, but realizing how beautiful it is if they hadn't done walking and stuff like that before and maybe helping out. Take well, we do. We definitely get a lot of little messages in our Instagram mm-hmm. of people who said, oh, we checked out this park and we noticed that there was all of these bottles. Can we just pick them up? And I'm like, mm-hmm. do you need a bag? Can I send you some gloves? And so we, we have had a lot of little families and, um, and a little, like a little converts, right? You know, people that go out and call it plogging, right? They go out with their kids and they have their little bags and they, they often will tag our Instagram with their, what they've picked up. Oh, I always great. ask them to tell me what the weirdest thing is that they saw. Um, and, um, you know, so, so there's, there's definitely more trash in some places and less trash in others. Uh, but there's definitely a lot more PPE trash, mm-hmm. gloves and those masks. And they're plastic and they have straps. They're so dangerous to wildlife. Right. Um, you know, and, and they're often in, in parking lots that get washed into storm drains during rain events like this. And they're going to absolutely end up in the stream and they're going to end up in the ocean and the turtle's going to eat them. And in six months, that's going to be the cover of, you know, yeah. Turtles International. <laughs> so we've got a lot of great information. Really appreciate all your time. So listening again to last show, three things that you want to remind people and that you tell people to be able to do. Okay, so lead by example. Okay. Um, you know, uh, bring your own cutlery to work if you're going to work um say no to plastic single-use plastic stuff it should be the exception not the rule Mm -hmm. um invest in a really good water bottle um lord it over everybody you know like show everyone how awesome your water bottle is there's so many great water bottles out there 
I mean, they, the, the, some of them, you could get them to, like, to totally fit your personality. Um, another thing that you can do is, you know, use your voice. And that is make sure that you tell that the restaurants that you love, that you would really rather that they not use that expanded polystyrene uh, in your food. Not only is it, uh, can't be recycled, uh, it just breaks down into smaller pieces, mm-hmm. it floats, it's bad for animals, but it actually is not good for people, especially when it's heated up. And most of the time when you buy food in that stuff, it's hot. Yeah. And so it, it, it breaks down and it becomes um, styrene, polystyrene, and benzene, and both of those things are cancer-causing. So they're not things that you want to be eating with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Again, if sometimes you have no choice, but let that be the exception, not the rule. And the fourth thing I would say is make sure you vote. Vote for the policies and the people that represent your values. And uh, because if you don't, then you end up with things that don't represent your values, and then you have to fight all the time. And it's so tiring to fight all the time. So you mentioned voting, and uh, you know we with a podcast here. You know when we're recording this podcast, we're very close to this current election. Um, but besides voting, after November, people are listening to this podcast after November, and we want them to listen to it. It'll be it'll be on our site. It'll be on SoundCloud. And to, what what else can they do other than voting? How do they get involved during these off times? If it's not especially if it's not a big, most people come out for presidential elections, but certainly it's going to be an odd year. What what can they do? Well, there is an election every year for something Mm -hmm. in your community. So vote in all of the elections, for starters. But you can also, um, you know, voting isn't just casting a ballot for a political person. It's, you know, um, supporting your local businesses. It's... um, showing up at the school board meeting when they are deciding something important either for your kids future or showing up at the board of supervisors meetings and they're voting on something when you show up and you use your voice you're basically voting every time you turn up and you say your piece you're voting all over again and so uh i even though we we only vote for president every four years and uh, for Senate every six, you really are voting every day with the choices that you make. And so make good choices and then make sure you tell everybody about them. Love it. Jen, you truly are the conscience of the county. With that old Kenny Rogers song, we'll, 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 we'll have to tag, tag on to you. So tell me, where can people get more information about what you do, what your group does? And you also mentioned a podcast. Tell me a little bit about what, what we can do like that. Okay, so cleanfairfax.org is our main website. That has um, just information about our organization. If you want to organize a cleanup right now, we're recommending people do small cleanups with their family units. Mm-hmm. You can get some gloves and some vests and some trash bags, and we'll send them out to you. Um, we also have our legislative... The Facebook page is very Oh, we have useful, a Facebook, our Facebook page. And that's a great way to just... Share that with everyone on your own on your own post. I've done it many times. Right. We, we, we try to put a lot of information out on Facebook, and we do a, an environmental news roundup twice a week where we find news that we think is interesting, and we link it back to our blog. 
Uh, that's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, so our Facebook page is Clean Fairfax Council, but all of that stuff's linked from our Clean Fairfax page. We have an Instagram, Clean Fairfax, where mostly I shame people who are, I find <laughs> masks or trash. Uh, and we have a Twitter account, which is also Clean Fairfax, and uh, mostly that's more shaming. Um, and then we have this uh, legislative tracker, uh, which is called LitterFreeVA.org. Mm -hmm. And that is mostly active during legislative sessions where we track all of the legislation that's happening in Richmond that is of interest to um, Fairfax County residents and really greater Virginia residents um, that has to do with the environment, specifically around litter, recycling, plastic bags, and things like that. And we have toolkits for how to talk to people about uh, plastic pollution. We have information. We have one-page information. So if you're doing a presentation at your library, you can just download that information and use it. Um, and there's a way for you to sign up to get email blasts so that if we need for you to call your legislator, we can just shoot out an email. Usually that's a once-a-week thing during the legislation. And then we're trying to launch our own podcast called um, Green All Over, and it will be uh, Zach and I talking about the issues of the day having to do with the environment, and some of them will be local, and some of them will be regional, and some will be global, uh, and uh, it'll be a conversation about the environment, and we're just trying to figure out how to do that while we're um, social distancing, because he lives in D.C., and I live in Prince William. Okay, well, there's certainly technological ways of doing that. So uh, I may pick your brain. I, yeah, I can't wait to listen. Maybe be involved sometime. I'd love Absolutely. to join that conversation. So, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you so much again for coming in. We need to have you on more than once a year, mm -hmm. and uh, we will check back in. Uh, we certainly have lots to talk about uh, coming up. So appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming in. We could talk forever and ever about this. We really but, could. Uh, Irene is... Cracking the whip. We have to start uh, moving it along. So that's it for this episode of Fairfax County's EnviroPod. If you want to hear more, you can find us at www.fairfaxcounty.gov slash podcast. And, of course, the DPWES website where there's more information connected to this. And also just about any uh, podcast uh, format that you listen to is iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, all the others. There's too many to name. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments or an idea of a topic to be discussed on EnviroPod, you can email swpdmail at fairfaxcounty.gov or call 703-324-5821. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to my good friend Irene for making all this happen. Thanks, Irene. And that's it for, that's it for this episode of EnviroPod. I'm Scott Coco. Thank you, Jen Cole. Thank you, Scott. Plastics. <laughs>